So today, again, we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Um, Pentecost is known by a couple of things. One, one uh, title is the birth of the church. Today is the day when, when the church, in a sense, began. As we heard in the first reading, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, and if we would have kept reading, Peter and the apostles come out and begin preaching the good news. Peter, in a sense, preached his first homily, and over 3,000 people were converted that day. So this public mission of the church, after Jesus had ascended, begins today, this birthday of the church. It's also very much associated with the coming of the Holy Spirit that we heard in the first reading. The apostles were together praying with Mary, and the Holy Spirit came upon them in a particularly powerful way. What's always struck me about that, though, is that the gospel that that we have for Pentecost today is also the the sending of the Holy Spirit at a different time. So, like, this obviously isn't the first time the Holy Spirit came, right? The gospel is actually on the day of the resurrection, when Jesus breathed on the apostles and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We know that Mary, in a particular way at the day of the Annunciation, received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and she conceived Jesus in her womb. So it's not like the Holy Spirit wasn't active before this day, but we say this day is the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? Think about each one of if you were confirmed, you were confirmed to receive the Holy Spirit in a particular way. But does that mean that if you're not confirmed or if you, or before you were confirmed, you don't have the Holy Spirit? We all received it at our baptism, right? I think what this highlights is that God comes into our life and God acts in our lives for a particular purpose at particular times. And these encounters with God, these experiences of Him, build upon each other and deepen upon each other. That there's always a particular mission for how, why, and when God comes to act in our life. So, for example, when we were baptized, we did receive the Holy Spirit to become a son or a daughter of God. We were grafted into the body of Christ, made a member of the kingdom of God. We were claimed for him at our baptism a very, in a very real way. And in confirmation, that gift of the Spirit was, was given anew, it was deepened for the particular focus of proclaiming the word of God. We were sent out at our confirmation to be witnesses to proclaim God's message, to proclaim the gospel by our lives. So it was always there, but it's the particular focus of, of why, of what the Spirit is inviting us to do. In the gospel, on this day of the resurrection, Jesus gives the apostles the Holy Spirit, particularly directed for the forgiveness of sins. He says, who sends you forgive or forgiven, who sends you retain or retain. So there's a particular configuration to offer this forgiveness to the whole world. That's why the Spirit comes on that day. So what's the particular focus of today in our first reading? What does the Spirit come to do? What's the goal? What's the mission of this coming of the Spirit today on Pentecost? What stands out to me, listening to this account of the first reading, is the word unity. The Holy Spirit came to to establish a unity among the peoples to unite all these peoples into the one body of Christ, like St. Paul said in the second reading as well, that the many members are united in one body. The Holy Spirit is called the sacred bond of the Father and the Son. By its very nature, it's a uniting force. It's a force of unity. He comes to establish that. And in Pentecost, we see all these people being united. These people who speak many different languages and tongues from different places, They can't understand each other, yet they hear the apostles preaching in their own language, and they're united 
by the truth of that message. They're united in the gospel. And it's not a coincidence that it's through language that the Holy Spirit comes to establish this. Because what this harkens back to is to an Old Testament story from the book of Genesis of this Tower of Babel, where the people who were out of pride were trying to make themselves God, establish this great kingdom for themselves. God used language to be a source of division. They couldn't understand each other, and language in that story became a source of division for the people. And so what God is showing us in this, in this first reading, on this day of Pentecost, is that God desires what was once a source of division to become a source of unity. That through language, they were united together in this truth. They were brought into a unity of the body of Christ. What comes, what the phrase that sticks out to me as I was just sitting with these readings this week is a phrase St. Paul uses, where he urges the, 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 all the people to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This unity of the Spirit within the bond of peace is what the central mission uh, that God is trying to accomplish on this Feast of Pentecost. The seminary, we have a history professor who I'm pretty sure is the smartest man that I've ever met. If you ask him any question about anything, he knows immediately the context and the history and all the bullet points, all the reasons why. He literally, I think he knows everything. And he would say this phrase over and over and over again. He would say that division is always and everywhere a tool in the hands of the devil. Division, again and again and again and again, from the beginning of time, has been a tool in the hands of the devil to break this unity that God desires to give to us, to break this peace that God desires to work in our lives. Division is what pulls us down, is what covers and distorts and masks the truth, is what breaks the body, it's what stops this kingdom that Christ came to establish from being realized in our world today. Division. The exact opposite of what the Spirit wants to bring. Our country, our world is very easily and obviously a world of division. Especially here, in, like politics is divided, it's all about this or that, anti-this or pro-that. We draw the line in the sand, and I'm on this side and you're on that side, and we're divided. We're in conflict. That seeps into the church. Our church is divided. I follow this guy, I listen to this guy, you're wrong, you're right, I'm pro-this, I'm anti-that. This is the way we have to do it. We draw our lines in the sand. I think we can see this week that our country is very obviously divided. There's division very rampantly present in our, in our society, in humanity. And whatever the reason for that division is, whether it's social class or race or religion or gender or whatever it is, there's very real division. That tool in the hand of Satan is pulling apart the unity that God desires for each one of us, that unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that our hearts are longing for, that division is, is attempting to break it. We all have experienced division in our lives in some way. I don't think there's a single one of us who hasn't in some form or fashion experienced division, conflict. We know what that feels like in our hearts, that lack of peace because of, because of the presence of that division. How do we allow the Spirit to heal that? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and into our lives and into our world and bring that unity of the Spirit and to bring that bond of peace that our hearts are longing for? We all want that. 
We don't have to, to question that. We all desire unity and peace. It just makes sense. That's, that's what we, we ache for. Unity, though, is not being identical. Unity involves differences, right? All the people in the first reading, they didn't all hear the same language. They all heard in their own native language. There, was a, 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 there were differences in the way that they heard. But in those differences, they were united together by the deeper truth of that message. Unity is found in embracing that. Think about St. Paul's body analogy. Every part of the body has a different function. No part of the body is the same. And it's precisely because all those parts are different that that the body works. If, If everything did the same thing, it wouldn't really be a body. It'd just be like a giant foot or something. Every part has to have a different function. And it's precisely in, that, in those differences that a true unity and a true body is able to be formed. It's embracing and engaging those differences and seeking the deeper unity that's present there. That's where this bond of peace comes from. That's the deeper unity that the Holy Spirit longs to work in our lives and in our hearts. There's a homily that I heard a couple of years ago, and it's one of those homilies that for some reason just stuck with me um, for, for forever, because I've heard a lot of homilies, and I promise you I don't remember most of them. Um, but this one, this one stuck with me. And the priest made this distinction between peace versus pacifism. He talked about true peace. like We, we know what peace feels like. There's a freedom in, in, in the relationship. There's a true relief, a true joy, a lightheartedness in, in that environment. And listening to Deacon Daniel chant the sequence that a physical representation of that, he talked about um, something about coolness in the heat, offering coolness to the heat, and thinking about that moment when you've been outside all day long and it's 90 degrees, which we're probably all going to experience every day for the next two months, and coming inside and feeling the coolness of the the AC, right? That that, 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 physical representation, that, that, that freedom, that peace, that we feel the relief in that. That's true peace. True peace is not just an absence of, of division, an absence of fighting. It's got to be a, there's a positive force there. Pacifism is just this absence of, of fighting. We know it's there, but we're not going to talk about it. We're going to kind of dance around it. And I think most of us, I think, have been in those situations where we're in relationships and there's this thing there, but for the sake of not fighting, we're just going to not talk about it. and We're going to kind of dance around it. And that's actually, I think, more oppressive on us than, than actually dealing with it. Because it's that environment, that, that's what division wants us to do, to be silent, not talk about it, not deal with it, and let it oppress us. Let it oppress our hearts and weigh our hearts down. That absence of true peace that we call pacifism, just for the sake of you know, not going into it, right? Overcoming division... Involves not just settling for this kind of superficial pacifism, but involves really seeking true peace, engaging the differences so that we can build a true unity. How do we do that? If I'm going to hope to experience this true peace, this true unity that the Spirit comes to bring, it involves truly every moment encountering the other person. Truly entering into a relationship with somebody else, attempting to understand the differences, attempting to see their context, see where they're coming from, seeing them as a person with experiences just like me, and from that, coming to that place of unity, 
in the Spirit because we're all coming from that same spot. The people in the first reading heard the apostles in their own language. It, the, the gospel came to where they were at. And from where each person was at, a unity of a church was formed. And it was that diversity that allows the church to be the rich unity that it actually is. It's achieved by loving as God loves. Very simply. I love one another as God loves. Which means I see the other as God sees them. That's what I'm striving for at every moment of every day. And it's very easy to see that our world, our nation, our church, our country, our humanity is very deeply wounded in so many ways, deeply hurting in so many ways. Each one of us is carrying some kind of wound, some kind of hurt in our own life that the Spirit longs to come and to bring peace to. And it's not by ignoring it that we're going to achieve peace. If we ignore it, if there's no action, that peace is never going to come. It's only by engaging it in trust and in humility with the Lord that we can open our hearts to receive the, this peace that the Spirit longs to come to give us. By entering into that. I've been wondering a lot, thinking of just about the, the history of, of, of humanity, we don't seem to have come very far. Wondering, like, is growth even possible? Is this unity that, we're gonna, that, you know, that we say the Spirit wants to bring to us, is that even possible? Are we going to achieve that? Are we, are we going to be able to grow beyond that? The world changes, and the world is changed by one person at a time. It's not changed in group. It's changed by encounters. Individual encounters with each person. Every time we encounter a person, we change the world. Either for the better or for the worse. But every single encounter changes us. It's impossible to not be changed by a true encounter. My ability to make that encounter an encounter of the Spirit, to respond with the love of God, is always going to be dependent upon how I have received the love of God into my heart. And that's what I'm going to show for it. It begins with my reception, and as I receive this Spirit, that demands a response of me to show the love of God in that encounter. Again and again and again. I have to again and again encounter God myself in my prayer, in the Eucharist, in the Mass, the sacraments. I encounter God, and then again and again bring that encounter out just to somebody else, to each person the Lord places on my path that day. I think a Pentecost challenge for each one of us, where in our life is God inviting his presence? Where does he want this unity of the Spirit to be? Where is it lacking in my life? It's very easy for us to think about the areas in my life where that unity is not present, where that peace is not present because it weighs on us. How might the Lord be inviting me to allow that unity to enter in in a deeper way? To encounter somebody through his eyes. Imagine what our life would be like if we were constantly looking for that and constantly inviting God's presence into those situations. Imagine what our, what our world would be like. And imagine what our life would instead be like if, if we didn't do that, if we did nothing, if we just settled for the superficial going through life without truly encountering and allowing the Spirit to bring that peace into our hearts. 
May that unity of the Spirit reign in our lives today and every single day. Amen.